Good evening. How are you going? Good. Great to be with you. Uh, we're in the middle of a bit of a storm ourselves, aren't we? With the coronavirus, in the middle of a bit of a storm. Uh, as you might know, the World Health Organization on March 11, just this week, upgraded COVID-19 from an epidemic to a pandemic. That means it's no longer a known disease that's just spreading in a particular area, but it's actually a new disease going global. And the Director General said, uh, this is not just a public health crisis, it's a crisis that will touch every sector. So every sector and every individual must be involved in the fight. We're in a little bit of a storm with this thing. The current stats, uh, as of this morning, 142,000, uh, there are 142,000 confirmed cases, 5,500 deaths, 129 countries, and depending on what experts you listen to, uh, they predict that probably about 80% of us will experience uh, or get the, uh, the virus ourselves. What's most interesting, I think, is our response to this, this storm, this particular storm. I don't know whether you've been watching the news, talking to friends at uni, at school. Uh, what's the response been? I think, in general, uh, the response has been one of fear on the whole. It's been a response of fear. Um, you know, that's why the PM had to come out and the first thing he said uh, this week was stay calm because people are afraid. People are acting out of fear. Uh, my wife and I were watching the TV and you might have seen that clip of one person bumping another person on the head in the supermarket aisle with the toilet roll. Did you see that? And she turned to me and she said, I'm not very proud to be a human at the moment. Fear doesn't bring the best out of us, does it? It's not the best response to a storm. But I don't know about you, I find it hard to think about another response. I think many of us struggle to find a different way to respond to storms in our lives. So how do you deal with fear? How do you respond differently in these kind of situations? How do you program yourself to react differently to crisis, to storms, to problems in your life? Now, I know about one storm in your life. I'm sure there could be other. There could be fini financial storms. There could be friendship storms in your life. There could be family storms in your life. This passage, I think, addresses how we respond to storms, how we respond to fear. Um, and it says, to put it simply, it says this, to move from a place of fear to a place of faith takes meeting and getting to know Jesus. And it takes another step in that as well. It takes trusting in Jesus. To move from fear to faith takes meeting, knowing, and trusting in Jesus. Uh, let's, let's have a look at this passage together. The first thing that we find out in this passage is that the Christian faith is about trust in a person. It's about trust in a person. The Christian faith is about trust in Jesus. It's up there. Thanks, Ryan. Um, often when I talk with people, they, you know, the second question, unfortunately, uh, is, Matt, what do you do for a job? And I say, I'm a pastor at a church. And uh, a lot of times people kind of go, oh, 
wow, I've got a faith too. It's not your faith. I'm not a, I don't believe in Christianity, but I've got a faith and it's all the same. Isn't that wonderful? We're in this little boat together. And the, I think that's because there's a bit of confusion about what faith is. Uh, perhaps we think faith is something like belief in someone looking after everything in the universe. Uh, perhaps we think faith is everything will turn out right in the end. You've just got this internal confidence that things are going to get better, not worse. Um, maybe it's a belief that everything happens for a reason. And we put all those things in the same basket. And I could say, look, Christianity, the Christian faith is going to mean a lot of those things. But the Christian faith is not that abstract. The Christian faith, to have the Christian faith, is actually to say the same thing as, I trust in the person of Jesus. That's what the Christian faith is. That's what it boils down to. I trust in Jesus, who he is, what he's done, what he's able to do, and what he has promised to do. I trust in a person. I trust in Jesus. And that means you can't say, I've got my faith, you've got your faith. It's okay that they're different. Because if you're not talking about the same person, you're not talking about the same thing. It's not the same faith. And this faith, is, it's not just about the person of Jesus, it's about trusting him. It's about putting your trust in him. You've got to hold on to him. Let me explain what that means really quickly. Imagine if you're falling off a cliff. It's very theoretical, right? You've got enough storms in your life at the moment. Imagine if you're falling off a cliff and there's a branch sticking out the side of that bridge, out that cliff. Falling off a cliff, there's a branch sticking out. And that branch is strong enough to hold you. But you don't know that. How much faith do you have to have in the branch for it to save you? Do you have to be 100% sure that that branch is going to save you, for it to save you? The answer is no, of course not. You just have to have enough faith to reach out and grab it. That's because faith saves you, not because of the quality of your faith, not because of how much faith you have, not because of all the stuff you know, it's not because of the quality of your faith. It's not about you, it's about the object of your faith. It's about who you have your faith in. It's about what your faith is in. And uh, it's, not, it's not about your feelings about the branch. All that matters is the branch itself. And Jesus is the branch. Did you notice where the, the disciples go in their storm? They go to Jesus. And that's the first thing we have to recognize tonight. To move from fear to faith, you've got to go to Jesus. Uh, what does that look like? How do you go to Jesus? Um, there's a lot of places to go at, at this point in time when we think about the coronavirus to get answers on how we should live, aren't they? You know, BBC, I go to the WHO, go to their status page, have a look at the stats. Um, you can listen to the radio. There's a five-minute podcast every day coming out of the BBC. There's blogs, there's friends you can talk to. A lot of those things, though, will simply just raise your anxiety. They're good things, and I'm encouraging you to go there, to get the latest news. That's a way we can love one another. But if you want to move from a place from, of fear to faith, there's a person who you've got to put your trust in, and you've got to go to, and you've got to listen to him. You've got to do what he says. You've got to listen to his people. You've got to ask him for wisdom. I was uh, last week um, speaking with a Christian doctor, and I said to him, it was the first time I'd seen him in about a week's time, and I said to him, are we safe? And he looked at me and he said, no, probably not. Probably not safe. And 
that was a little bit disconcerting at first. But then he said, here's the thing. Remember, he's a Christian doctor. He said, here's the thing. If God wants to take a person to be with him, God will use whatever means he has to. And for me, that was just a refreshing perspective. I think, actually, death's not the end. What I know as a Christian is death's not the end. And there's a person I can trust in to know that one day I'll be with God forever. That's a great perspective to have. Where do you get that kind of perspective? You go to Jesus. You go to Jesus. Uh, and so you go to Jesus for that perspective. You go to Jesus as well for another reason that this passage wants to bring up. And that is this. Jesus is all-powerful. Jesus is all-powerful. That's the second thing we, look, we see in this passage. Have a look at verse 37. It says there, A furious squall, that's an old word for a storm, a furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Nature can be powerful and dangerous, can't it? I don't know whether you've experienced that personally, let me tell you a little story, a story of my own experience. When I was 20, a long time ago, uh, I did that typical Aussie rite of passage thing, and I got a backpack, and I flew to Europe, you know, with about a few dollars left in my wallet by the time I got there. But I decided to backpack from Turkey to the UK. And I started in Turkey, and in central Turkey, there's this really famous place for a number of reasons uh, called Cappadocia. And... There's a little town there called Gorome, and there's this national park, and it's stunning. It has this spectacular landscape. I've got a photo for you. Um, and what you'll notice there is there's these incredible, massive, nearly endless rock ridges. And some of those, it's hard to see it there, some of those are hundreds of meters high in some places. And you can actually walk across the top of them. And so I took this little day pack in for this hike, and... Uh, a few hours in, just after lunch, this storm rolled in. And as you can tell, you can't see very far in front of you. You can't see what the ground's doing. And as the storm closed in, I could see only a few meters ahead of me. And so as I was walking along, I suddenly had this feeling like, it, and it's just gravel, it's just rock that's been slowly eroded away up there. I had this feeling of like, I could slip off one of these edges and be lost in a crevice, never to be seen or heard again. I just had this impending feeling that, I mean, it was a distant thing, but I was staring death in the eyes, in a way. It was, it was that serious. And I spent hours in this storm that was wet, that was dark, that was windy, trying to get out of there. And I just, my panic grew, and I got more and more scared. And I remember thinking, you know, eventually I got out of there. I remember thinking the very next day, uh, or even that night as I was in my warm sleeping bag, I thought to myself, I will never take nature for granted again. I will never treat it with contempt. I'll never take it lightly. Nature can be dangerous. It can be powerful. You can stare death in the face. Uh, this squall on the Sea of Galilee, the Sea of Galilee is known for storms. And it's known for them coming out of the blue. You don't cross it, actually, without being prepared for a storm. But this storm on this day must have been particularly out of the ordinary because Peter is a sailor and his friends are sailors. They've, they're fishermen. They've grown up on this water. They do this each and every day for a living up until this point. 
And so this must have been pretty out of the ordinary for them to come to Jesus and say, don't you care if we're about to die? You don't, you know, you don't go to work every day expecting to die. You, you don't keep turning up to that job, I hope, right? No, some of you have jobs where you do that? Okay. This must have been a pretty serious squall. Uh, and, but, but look at Jesus. Notice where Jesus is. Verse 38, it says, Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. Let me just give you a little picture of a Galilean boat. We know this because we dug one up in 1986, some 2,000 years ago. And the stern there's that kind of bit at the end. And I shared this picture with a shipwright friend of mine, and he told me this is classified as an open boat. You know what that means, technically? There is nowhere to hide. And so Jesus is asleep on the stern where there's nowhere to hide. And you know what I find really interesting about him being asleep? Scholars will tell us that tells you about his humanity, right? Jesus, not just God, but he's human, he gets tired, he's asleep. The disciples will tell you he's asleep because he doesn't care that we're all going to die. He doesn't care about us. I think the most obvious thing about Jesus being asleep in the midst of a, a, a storm that is signaling impending death is that Jesus isn't scared. Jesus is not afraid of a storm. Jesus is not scared. Have a look at this, verse 38. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? And he got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. When the wind died down, it was completely calm. Two words Jesus said. The first one is what you'd use with an unbehaving child. Shh. Stop. And the other word is a word you'd use to muzzle an animal. That's enough. No more. Sit down. Like a parent to a child, like a master to his dog, Jesus is to the wind and the waves. Jesus is to a death-impending a, a death storm. Jesus is to nature, all of creation. You know what that means? You know what the point Jesus, uh, Mark is trying to make by telling us this story? Is that Jesus is God. Jesus is all-powerful. He's the Lord of creation. He doesn't call on anyone for help. He doesn't pray to God because he is God. Nature is chaotic, untamable, unaccountable, except for God himself. There's this lovely psalm in the Old Testament. It talks about God and creation. And it says in Psalm 33, He gathers the waters of the sea into jars. I like that picture. It's like he's in the kitchen at night, just kind of gathering it up, putting it in a little jar, putting it on the shelf. That's what Jesus is to a storm. He created it, he controls it, it obeys his voice. Uh, so Jesus is powerful. Um, but notice, I don't think that's enough. I don't think you're going to move from fear to faith if you just know Jesus is powerful. It's not enough. Notice the disciples' response when Jesus calms the storm. In verse 41, they're afraid before he calmed it, but after he calmed it, it says in verse 41, they were terrified. They're afraid of the storm because it's powerful, but now they're terrified of Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ is power. He is power. The storm was big, but Jesus is bigger. I love that... Um, moment in C.S. Lewis's uh, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. In the land of Narnia, uh, there's a lion. He's the king. 
His name is Aslan. And one of the daughters of Adam and uh, one of the daughters of sons of Adam, daughters of Eve, is learning about him. And she says, she finds out he's a lion. And she says, Ooh, I, th- I thought he was only a man. Is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. And Mr. Beaver says, Safe? Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe. Jesus isn't safe. But he is good. But he is good. Of course he isn't safe, but he is good. And that's the final thing that we find out in this passage. Jesus is good. He's all loving. See, storms make us question the goodness of God. Storms make us question whether God really cares. Don't you care that we're about to die? The disciples said. Look, a good piece of theology to have in your back pocket for storms is that just because you're in the boat with Jesus doesn't mean that storms won't come. Uh, I heard this phrase this week. You've heard of helicopter parents, right? Helicopter parents, yeah, they kind of hover over their kids in, you know, in case something bad happens, just looking over every situation. There's, there's an, another term now, which is snowplow parents. That's parents, and probably millennial parents, who remove every obstacle or danger in the path of their child so as, to, as much as they can help it, a, a child won't experience any storm in their life. You know, it's one way to build resilience, isn't it? Not. Jesus, God himself, isn't a snowplow kind of parent. That's The Bible kind of explains in the New Testament that, that God will use storms in our life for many reasons. He'll discipline us through storms. He will teach us stuff through storms. He'll bring us to a place of repentance through storms. He'll change us. He'll make us more like Jesus through storms. God will use them. And and he shows us his love in how he uses them. But even as he's using those storms, we we can still deep down question the goodness of God. We can question how much he loves us. And so how do we know in the storm that Jesus loves us? Uh, Something really interesting about this story that maybe you've already picked up on is how similar this story is to the story of Jonah. Do you know the episode of Jonah in the Bible? Here's a picture. Oh, I thought I had a picture in there. It's gone. Um, Jonah, if you don't know the story, Jonah is a prophet in the Old Testament. He's a a mouthpiece of God, a spokesperson on behalf of God. God tells him to go to the most wicked city in the world at the time and to tell them that God's going to be merciful to them if they turn to him. And Jonah thinks that's too nice. He doesn't want God to do that. And so he, he runs the other way. And what's Jonah do? He jumps in a boat. And as that boat heads off, uh, there's, guess what? A storm. And then... Guess what we find out in the story of Jonah? Jonah is asleep. And then guess what? The people on the boat with Jonah, they're afraid that they're going to die. And guess what happens next? They go and wake up Jonah. It's it's all looking quite similar, isn't it? Uh, Then in the Jonah story, Jonah doesn't speak to the wind and the waves when he wakes up. He actually says, guys, I know the problem. I know what's going on. We're in this mess because I'm disobeying God. And, and this, that's why this storm, storm is here. And so if you throw me overboard, the storm will, will cease. The storm will stop. Uh, and 
at that point, it, it feels like our stories are, are vastly different. Except that if you zoom out in the story of Jesus a little bit, and you get to the end of the story, you see actually Jesus sacrifices himself. He throws himself overboard. He throws himself into the ultimate storm for our sake. He throws himself into the storm of eternal justice so that that storm will pass over us. Jesus says, actually, you're the one who's running away from God. You're the one disobedient. You're the one, you're the reason the storm's here. And you deserve death. You deserve to be thrown overboard for this. But I'll take your sin, your anger, and I'll throw myself overboard. I'll be cast into the storm so that you can be safe from it. And in that moment of Jesus on the cross, we can all say, those of us who have seen that can all say, he does care. Because I've seen him willingly throw himself overboard to save us. So if you know that Jesus is all-powerful, if you know he is only loving, if you know he's been cast out into the storm so that you could be brought in, then I think instead of living in fear, you'll live in faith. You'll live in faith. And actually, over the past 2,000 years, this is what the church has done. Again and again and again. Through many different storms. One really interesting to me that I read about this week was the plague of Cyprian uh, that happened for 13 years in Rome in the 3rd century AD. And it's perhaps um, the biggest pandemic, the greatest pandemic that the West has ever faced. At its height, and it was suspected that it's some kind of influenza, at its height, 5,000 people died every single day. And we have a source that tells us about the general response, how people responded in that day. Let me read that to you. It says, There broke out a dreadful plague. All were shuddering, fleeing, shunning the contagion, impiously exposing their own friends, as if with the exclusion of the person who was sure to die of the plague, they could exclude themselves from death also. And there lay about over the whole city, no longer bodies, but the carcasses of many. And it says, no one regarded anything besides his own gain. No one did to one another what he himself wished to experience. It sounds like the fear response, doesn't it? And how, how we might respond today. But listen to how the Christians responded. Most of our brother Christians showed unbounded love and loyalty, never sparing themselves and thinking only of one another. Heedless of the danger, they took charge of the sick, attending to their every need and ministering to them in Christ, and with them departed this life serenely happy. Uh, I'm in no way, and we're, tonight you've already heard, we're in no way, in no way condoning unsafe behavior. And we live in a different time where we're going to need to ask God for His wisdom. And we've got wonderful health and medical professionals, a government that cares and that's helping us to navigate this appropriately. But we can live by faith. We don't have to live in fear. And, and that can mean a couple of things for us specifically. You know, that means we can show the world what it means to be at peace as when anxiety is on the rise. That means we can live sacrificially and we can love our neighbours sacrificially. And that might mean listening to what our government and our leaders are telling us 
and instructing us to do to slow the spread of this disease. We can look outward to others, prioritizing the health and needs of others, especially those who are at high risk, uh, by exercising caution, by not perpetuating fear. But finally, we can also, to those who we will serve and love in this time, we can share about the power and the love of Jesus Christ as we show it to those people. Uh, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, when the forces of nature make us fear death, fill us with the knowledge of your power that ultimately brings life. And comfort us in the knowledge of your sacrificial love and inspire us to serve others and live by faith. We pray this in Jesus' powerful and loving name. Amen.